Well, welcome and so glad that you could join us as we begin our journey through the Bible together in 2021. My hope is that um, as we do that together, that God would work in our hearts and in our lives. And very simply is that. I believe that God's Word has the power to change us. It has the power to help us. It has the power to convict us. But ultimately, it has the power to show us who God is, how He has revealed Himself to us, and then how we should respond. And I'm just so thankful that we get to take that journey together. And really my hope with these short recordings at the end of each week is just to kind of summarize where we've been, what we've read, and why that is so important um, as we go through the journey together. I would encourage you, if you have questions about something specific, please, please just shoot me a text or a message. Um, give me an email or a phone call. I would love to be able to walk through um, specific things with you on a as-needed basis. You know, Obviously, we don't have time to walk through all those things in depth as we um, think about joining together here for just a few moments at the end of each week to kind of summarize what we have read. Um, what I would really love for you to do, and I hope that you will, is as we go through these recordings to just have your copy of God's Word with you and to have it open and just kind of flip through that and remember where we've been and what you've read. And what I will do is just highlight a few things that the Lord has laid on my heart, um, things that have been personally um, a blessing to me through the week, things that I think are really important for us to know about what the scripture that we've read that week um, are and how they impact our lives. Now, I understand that everybody will be in a different spot when we come to these recordings. So please don't feel like oh, I have to go and finish all of my reading before I can listen to this and participate with it. That's that's not the point of these. It's really just for us to come together and to kind of focus our minds on where we've been and on what we have read. So I want to invite you to open up first to Psalm 19 as we get started together. And I just want to share with you as you're doing that, that um, Psalm 19, I had decided back in December, actually, it was going to be a personal um, a goal for me to um, to study that through the year in 2021. It's maybe my my theme psalm as, as I go about, but I'm going to try and memorize Psalm 19 uh, because it's just such a great picture uh, of God. It's a picture of who he is and um, how he's showed himself to us and then how we should respond. And I know I look at that and I think, well, that's 14 verses of Scripture. Um, that's only about one verse per month to memorize as I think through that. So I think that I can do that. And I would encourage you to just be about the practice of memorizing God's Word. It doesn't have to be Psalm 19. You, know, you can pick a passage that is really meaningful to you, one that God has laid on your heart. Um, but for me, it's going to be Psalm 19. And really, it lands for me in verse 14, but we'll get there in just a moment. So I just want to highlight the parts of Psalm 19 as we go through that. You know, we see in those those small capitalized letters in the beginning of the psalm that this was a song. It's to the choir master. David wrote this. And as you read through the psalms, you'll get some clues as to what they were used for and how they were used. And I just thought it was so neat that I had decided that it was um, going to be a point of a focus for me, and then the Lord laid it on me just the, the very first day that we were reading, because it's it's such a good picture of God. And he goes through the beginning of this psalm, verses 1 through 6, and that is really about the general revelation of God's greatness. And when we approach scripture, we see God revealing himself in two different ways, what we call general revelation, and that's what we see in Psalm 19, 
verses 1 through 6, the heavens declare the glory of God. The sky above proclaims his handiwork. And David goes on and he, he just highlights what scripture does. Day to day it pours out speech. Night to night it reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor other words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, their words to the end of the earth. It's, it's a proclamation that what God has created, what we just read about in Genesis chapter 1, is true, and it is pointing us back to God himself. And that's why the New Testament writers can say that man is not with excuse. We, you know, we do not have the excuse of saying, well, I didn't know about God. I didn't know who he was. No, the psalmist here tells us that creation itself, because it is good in itself, points us to the good God who created us. That is what we call general revelation. That's really important for us to recognize. The second thing that we get into in this psalm in verses 7 through 11 is a specific revelation. That is God's word. And we are so blessed to have the completed canon. And that is um, the, the compilation of scriptures that God, through the power of his Holy Spirit, intended upon human authors so that we might know how he would reveal himself to us. That is the canon of scripture that we get to hold together and hopefully that we're going to read together this year. And he just highlights here in verses 7 through 11 the specific revelation of God's holiness and his power. The law of the Lord, you see that it is perfect and then there's a result that revives the soul. It's true. It makes us wise. His precepts, his laws are right and those laws, they don't stifle us. They rejoice our heart in verse 8. The commandment of the Lord is pure, it enlightens our eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, that endures forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. And then in verse 10 and 11, we see the result of us being able to hold that treasure in our own hands. That perfect, sure, right, pure, clean, and true treasure. It's that those things, those are to be more desired in our hearts than gold. Much fine gold. They're sweeter also than honey, the drippings of the honeycomb. We're warned, it tells us in verse 11, and in keeping with them, there is great reward in our life. Because in keeping with those words, those commandments from the Lord, those revelations from God and how he has chosen to show us himself, we get the reward of knowing the one true God who has revealed himself in creation, but has told us specifically who he is and how we can relate to him in his word. And then also he gives us instruction about how we can relate to other people. So that's a specific revelation of God's power. And we'll talk about those things some more as we continue through the word together. But we see a general revelation there, and then we see a specific revelation. And then verses 12, 13, and 14, this is the humble response of someone who has experienced those things. Someone who has experienced the general revelation of God and then the specific revelation of his word. Verse 12 asks this question. The, psalm, the psalmist goes on, who can discern his errors? And that's a question for us. Who can discern our own errors? Who can see the sin that is hidden within our heart? We're really good at deceiving ourselves. And we're really good at making ourselves believe that we're not as bad as we think that we are. But scripture points us to something different. That there is a holy and perfect God who created this universe by the power of his word and has revealed himself specifically to us 
through that, and it leads us to the fact that we are sinful and we are in need of a savior. And so then the cry in verse 13 is to keep back your servant from those presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion or power over me. Because when God has kept us from those things, then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. And then the cry of our heart, and this is one that has really affected me over the past months, is to let the words of my mouth, and that's what others see, those words of my mouth, what they hear, the meditations of my heart, that's what God sees. Other people don't see that. But let both of those things be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. That is a good word for us today. To let the things that come out of our mouth, which Jesus says in Matthew, they, are, they well spring out of our heart. You know, those things that others see, how we interact with them, and the meditations of our hearts, those things that only God can see, that our cry should be to let both of those things be acceptable in your sight, O Lord. The one who is the rock and who is the redeemer, who is the creator and who has started all things. And I think it's just really important for us to remember that as we get started on this journey together. That if we don't focus our hearts and our lives on God's word, then those things that come out of our mouth and those things that we meditate on in our heart will not be pleasing unto him. So I'll leave you there on Psalm 19. I'm not going to come back to the Psalms today, but I do want to flip back to the book of Genesis and then just highlight a few things from the Gospel of Mark as well. So we should have been through Genesis chapter 14, I believe, um, here this week. I don't have the schedule in front of me, but I just want to walk through a few things in the beginning of Genesis. You know, and my my thought this entire week has been that it's just a week of beginnings. You know, we get the beginning of God creating the universe and then the beginning of him relating to people through the book of Genesis. We see lots of different things there. And then in the book of Mark, we get the beginning of God's true redemptive plan in Jesus Christ. That that action that's coming when Jesus enters the scene. Now to be sure, that beginning happens back in the the start of the the Bible in Genesis. We're going to see that from Genesis chapter 3 in just a moment. So hope that you are there in the book of Genesis with us this morning. Um, And I just want to pause for a moment here on Genesis chapter 1 because Genesis chapter 1 is absolutely foundational to us understanding the gospel, understanding who Jesus Christ is and what he has done. Because in these simple words, the simple phrase at the beginning of Genesis 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, we see the foundation laid for the authority that is the rest of scripture. And if we don't believe that God actually had the power to create and that this is a historical account of that creating, of that reckoning, then the rest of the Bible really doesn't have much power to us because we don't believe what he has said is true. And as we look through here, we see that God has the authority to speak and things to happen. And God said, verse 3 says, Verse 6, and God said. Verse 9, and God said. Verse 11, and God said. Verse 14, and God said. Verse 20, and God said. Verse 24, and God said. Verse 26, and God said. Verse 28, and God said. I mean, we see these, these commandments coming out in the authority that is in 
God's word. And we see the beginning of the world and the beginning of this universe as God saw fit to speak it. I believe absolutely that these periods of time here are literal 24-hour days. And I believe that God absolutely has the authority and the power to do that. It is no problem reckoning that for me. And the Hebrew word for day here is used throughout the rest of the Old Testament to speak of literal 24-hour days. You know, we get into the genealogies um, in Genesis chapter 5, and we see that the, the timeline here, you know, that Adam and Eve and his descendants are only hundreds of years old. I mean, if those were long periods of time, that could not have happened. But we see God starting those things and the beginnings of those things. In chapter 2, we see the beginning of something that we often neglect, and that is the Sabbath. And we see that God saw that it was good that, to take a rest, and he modeled that for us. We see the beginning of that. We see the beginning of marriage and how important that is to God for us to honor that, even when it's hard. And we see you know, that God actually put that institution in place. It's not an invention of man. It was God's idea. And that's why it's so important. In Genesis 3 and 4, we see the beginnings of brokenness. You know, we see the very beginnings of some of the struggle that we are facing right now in our nation and in our world. It comes back right here to a heart problem where we thought that we knew better than God. And so instead of listening to him and trusting him, Adam and Eve chose to go against what he had commanded them and it's been a downward spiral ever since. And we see that in Cain and Abel and how they interacted with each other. And then we see that in the rest of Adam's descendants there in chapter 4 as we go through. But even in that brokenness, I want to draw your attention real quickly to chapter 4, verse 26. Because this is something that's really important as well. We see here the beginnings of public worship. To Seth also a son was born. He called his name Enosh. At that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. And what we see there is the first instances of public worship, where people come together and they call upon the name of a holy and righteous God. So that's really important. It's the beginning again. As you continue through Genesis, and we're going to see here as we get into Genesis 12 and 13 and 14 and 15, the beginning of the... Um, God establishing his covenant with Abraham and God saying that he is going to bless the nation through him, that he is going to, as we now know, bring about a Savior, Jesus Christ. So these are the beginnings of all those things happening. And so these are really important for us to understand. You know, as we, as we flip over to the book of Mark, we also see the beginnings then of the work of Jesus Christ and what he came to do. So I invite you to turn over there with me as we look through those first five chapters um, of the book of Mark quickly together here today. I love the gospel of Mark because it's high-paced, it's, uh, it's fast-paced, it's, it's highly action-packed. Mark is the shortest of the four gospels and probably the first one that was written. And so he's trying to, to tell the story of who Jesus is and he's trying to get that done in a way that moves the, the the story quickly along. So I love that. And, you know, we see the beginnings of those things happening here in verse, um, chapter 1, verse 1, we see that this is the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. This is this the beginning of the story. You know, that brokenness that we just read about back in Genesis chapter 3, God is 
taking a measured step here to say, I am going to fix it once and for all. And obviously throughout the Old Testament, we see God's grace and mercy coming in. We see him still revealing himself to his people. So I'm not saying that God was not at work then and trying to establish for himself a people, but we see here this measured response, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news that the Son of God has come and that he is the one who can make things right. And we see there the messenger that comes before him and John the Baptist. We see Jesus beginning his earthly ministry here in verse 1 and Jesus calling his disciples the beginnings of the church actually are right there that Jesus was praying and he was calling to himself the ones whom he knew would carry forth the message that God had ordained to do that. that he was going to work that and then we see that Jesus goes through and he begins to work these miracles. I think it's interesting that Jesus, one of the first things that he addresses here in chapter 2, actually, is that he is the Lord of the Sabbath. We saw the beginning of the Sabbath back in Genesis chapter 1. Like so many things that God has given us for our good, we have turned that into something destructive. And the Pharisees and the Jewish leaders here were no different. You know, they had really read the letter of the law, but not the heart behind that law, and so Jesus addresses that, and I'll let you read that there in the end of chapter two, um, as you go through. But um, you know, as you as you follow along with the story here in the beginning of who Jesus is, it's so important for us to see that Jesus was always so willing to reach out to the broken. In chapter three, verses ten, he said, "For he healed many." so that all who had diseases pressed around him to touch him. We see the beginnings of the longing for the light to reach the darkness. You know, people who are in darkness, people who are broken, they are always seeking the light. Now, they may be seeking that in a way that they don't even recognize, but they are seeking truth and they are seeking the light. We see the beginnings of that happening here in Scripture. And Jesus goes on the beginnings of the family of God here in the end of chapter 3, that whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother, giving us a little foreshadowing of really what he's going to do when he dies on the cross. By his blood, we are now brothers and sisters with Jesus Christ. We are heirs to God and his kingdom, and that's a powerful, powerful thing. And as you continue to read through here in, in chapter 3 and chapter 4, and you, you read about Jesus calming the storm here in the end of chapter 4. Um, we get this question as that chapter ends. Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? And I hope, I hope that you, you see the allusion there to the one who has called creation in the beginning. And God said. And Jesus here is the one who can calm creation with the word because he was present at the beginning. As you go through chapter 5, you again, you, Mark begins to answer that question. Who is this then? That we see the beginnings of Jesus being able to control not just nature, but also things that are supernatural when he casts out demons. That he is able to heal with a word, with a touch of his robe. That he is able to control so many things because he is the one who has authority to do that as the Son of God. That is the beginning of the truth of the gospel. So I hope that as you read through this and continue to look that you see that the story is not separated. Scripture is one giant 
story and one giant timeline of God redeeming a creation that he called for himself. We see the beginnings of that here this week. Well, thank you for joining us. Like I said, if you have questions, please let me know. I'd love to answer those things. Um, we will look forward to being back together again here the end of next week as we continue through our Bible reading plan. Hope you have a great day.